This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hello everyone and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. My name is Mary Robson and I'm a Research and Development Officer. So today in this podcast we're going to be exploring older people's experiences of specialised and innovative housing models. And this builds upon and I guess brings to life our recent evidence review entitled Aging Well, Housing Options and Alternative Modes of Living for Later Life, which can be found on our website. Today we're going to be exploring um, co-housing and I'm really delighted to welcome Liz from Lilac Co-housing in Leeds. So welcome Liz, how are you today? I'm fine today, thank you. Brilliant. In my flat at Lilac, looking out at the trees and the grass. Fantastic. And um, would you like to just introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm, I just turned 70 last week and I've been living at a co-housing project, which we'll t- I'll tell you more about in a minute, since for the last eight years, um, where I've got my own flat and my own little allotment and I've got lots of shared gardens and lots of friendly neighbours. Fantastic. Sounds sounds brilliant. So I guess if you could just start by telling us a little bit about Lilac. What is Lilac? Yeah. So Lilac's a a co-housing community which is designed um, to encourage people to interact with their neighbours. And um, so we've got 20 houses and flats which we had built eight years ago. We moved in and um, we formed as a group and um, worked with an architect to design the buildings once we found the site and then engaged the builder to build them. And uh, and we moved, yeah, as I said, we moved in eight years ago um, and we run Lilac. It's like, uh, it's a co-op, housing co-op. Uh, so, uh, and, and that's where I'm very happy living. And, and what does Lilac stand for? It stands for, um, it's got three... Strands and the letter stands for low impact living. So that's one of the strands. It's about living lightly on the planet, and everything's designed to do that. And we live together in ways that save energy, like say sharing cars and having a laundry for the washing, so you don't have your own washing machine. So low impact living, and then affordable. So there was a lot of um, both the financial model, the way we pay for our houses, and the cost of them when they were built. We were keeping an eye on keeping it affordable so people could get onto the property market uh, and it would it's designed to remain affordable um, in over time so people can't price out and then the um, the C is for community um, so it's very important that we live as a, a close community who supports each other. Fantastic sounds brilliant. Who lives at Lilac? Yeah well we're 33 adults and 13 children aged from, so the adult age, the oldest is I think 86 and the yeah. youngest is a baby who was born on the 31st of July. So wow. we've got the whole span and uh, yeah, there's several families who live in, the families live in three or four bedroom houses and most of them. And then there's some two and one bedroom flats, which are more likely to have couples or single people in, but occasionally there's. Children in the there are children living in the flats as well. It's three-story flats, and uh, the buildings are constructed out of with straw bales in the walls, 
so they're very warm and, and they're very light because it's got lovely big windows, triple glazed windows. So, yeah. Brilliant. And, and how are all the kind of houses and, and flats set out? How's, what's the kind of layout of the yeah, the, we, were, we were really lucky. We got this L-shaped plot that used to be a primary school and part of it can't be built on because it's got a main sewer running under it, which meant property developers didn't want it. So we've designed it. So um, there's a pond in the centre that's a sort of feature where all the drainage water goes. Um, it, and, and then round that, there's blocks of houses, terrace, little terraces of three houses and a two blocks, two story blocks of flats. And then in the little bit of the L is where the allotments are. And there's a little park that's open to the public up in that corner of the site where there's a lot of mature trees. And in between the pond and the houses, uh, there's lots of shared gardens. And there's also, uh, most importantly, a common house, which is like a community centre. And that's where the laundry and the workshop are. And there's a kitchen and dining room where when we're not in COVID, we would have shared meals in there a couple of times a week. And uh, there's a big room upstairs where we have meetings and watch films and children have sleepovers these days. Um, and there's a couple of uh, offices like, and guest bedrooms up there. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so a real yeah. sense of community. Yeah, we've got and it's lovely and leafy and green with lots of um, fruit trees and bushes and uh, it's very productive. And people Brilliant. walk in and go, wow. It's, it is like an oasis. It's in the middle of the city, but it's like really quiet and green. Brilliant. And do you do you kind of grow your own food there as well? And yeah, every, every house and flat got an allotment, and then we've got five allotments that are rented out to people that live in the area. Um, and we try and people try and grow as much food as they can. Um, and not everybody likes doing it. So some people who live here sort of um, get some, ask someone else to help them with their allotment or give half of it to an, a neighbour. And, and lockdown's been good because people have been at home more, so the allotments are more productive than ever this year. What was the kind of process like to, to live at, at co-housing? It took about it took seven years from two couples having an idea that they'd like to build a community and raise their family um, in a community that was designed on ecological lines and would kind of um, show that it is possible to have a different way of life where you're less in your own box and yeah more in a community um, and it yeah they they had the idea and then set about forming a group um, and looking for land um, and eventually they they found this site with the help of the city council and um, got planning permission build and people joined the project and when you joined you paid your deposit on your future home and um, that gave some cash and we also got a grant that helped us um, and there are grants available these days um, for community-led housing initiatives the government are supporting people to do this through housing associations and through groups like ours just forming in community land trust um, yeah, so we slowly grew, developed in, until all the flats and houses were taken and we had our community. And then for the, the year that the build took, we worked really hard on um, developing policies and dreaming about how we were going to live together and what the sort of boundaries were going to be. 
and uh, what the expectations were and that in that way really got to know each other and uh, and to sort of think about how we wanted to live um, and then finally we all moved in so it was yeah seven years of I think I was I was involved for two and a half years before we moved in and it was hard work no doubt about it satisfying as well yeah and what what kind of conversations were you having in that kind of planning stage around what kind of community you wanted to live in well everything from what the buildings were going to be made of and how we wanted them to be as carbon low carbon as possible and what and and lots of conversations about what was affordable in terms of um solar panels were they affordable were they cost effective you know so we had research done about that, but also lots of conversations about how we would use shared space and yeah. um, what kind of food would be eaten in the common house. A lot of the people that live here are vegetarian and, and vegan, and that's part of having low impact on the planet. So there's a lot of conversations about how we would manage the kitchen in the common house. And, um, and we did, divided ourselves up into groups, which we still have called task teams. So everyone who lived here is on a task team. It might be they're on the finance task team, dealing with the collecting the money every month uh, that people pay and dealing with the banks and that doing the account. Or you might be on the landscape team or the common house team. There's different teams for different aspects of living here. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of things we were talking about. And I was really involved in the landscape team and, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at the ground plan and we had the landscape architect advise us what to plant. So thinking about where we were going to get the plants and could we get them for nothing, which we largely did, apart from the big trees that went in. We, you know, begged, borrowed and split other people's other gardener friends' plants. So you can see that some of that was really good fun. And some of it was serious. So well organised, and it sounds yeah, yeah, and that set us up in that work that we did as forming our community that set us in good stead. We still use those methods now, and we use consensus decision making. And uh, when there are big decisions to make, we all come together. So part of living in co-housing um, involves being willing to attend meetings and um, take your part in the democratic process um, of, of running the place. But there's lots of rewards and lots of um, celebrations and parties and fun. And I must say the children have the most fantastic life because we've got a big play area and um, they've got lots of space and they've got a safe neighbourhood where they can run around there and scoot and cycle and with no danger, no cars on the site. They're on the in the corners. We've got a couple of car parks, but uh, yeah. We keep cars to a minimum and out of sight. Sure, sure. So yeah, definitely like your own community set, yeah. set aside. Fantastic. Yeah. And then um, what what were your kind of reasons for choosing multi-generational co-housing? Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually went actively looking for a co-housing community because I I was when I was about 60, um I I found myself on my own in the family house and my my ex-partner had left and the children were grown up and gone and my daughter was emigrating with the grandchildren and I was feeling like how am I going to do my life because I'm going to miss them a lot um, and uh, I knew that about co-housing and I went online and looked to see where, where there were developing sites and couldn't the one in Lancaster I couldn't afford 
Um, but then I thought, well, look and see where else there's one. And I was delighted to find that this one in Leeds existed and I only lived 10 miles away. Brilliant. Um, so it was just, I just thought that this is supposed to be it. It's an area of Leeds I know where I've already got friends. And uh, I just, so I um, got in touch and joined. And uh, yeah, it, it's taken a big part of my life for the last 10 years. It's, and it's been a very happy uh, I'm very glad that I live here and uh, I've got children here um, my my own grandchildren are not I can only see them very very occasionally but I have everyday contact with children here which I really like and I wouldn't want to live in a over 50s development you know um, I, I'd rather live in a multi-generational but there are co-housing communities for that are designed just for people over 50. And I think it's just a matter of knowing what's right for you, really. Oh, definitely, definitely. We've actually done um, another podcast with the Older Women's Co-Housing Project. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good yeah, to see. They're them. a good group in London, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, fantastic. And what are the kind of main benefits for you um, living in a co-housing project? Um, it is, the main benefit is the sense of community and uh, uh, having support around me and having life around me. Mm. Um, so um, I, I, I don't do paid work anymore, but I do quite a lot of work in, the, in Lilac and it keeps my mind alert and it, I, I enjoy using my skills that I used to use in work in, in Lilac now. Um, and it kind of, I get a lot of feelings of satisfaction from making things happen here and keeping things working. Uh, and working with other people so those are the main, main benefits for me personally uh, yeah. and, and what's a kind of average day like at, at lilac um well they vary a lot but you can you'll always spend part i spend quite a lot of time in my flat on my own i really like my the space i live in it's lovely and um, i can be in and quiet as much as i want to but I will go out every day. Quite often, there'll be someone send a WhatsApp message saying anyone fancy a coffee and there'll be an informal group or you'll just meet outside when you're going to the laundry or going to set your post and have a natter with people. And um, at weekends, there's often shared meals or a barbecue or um, things like that going on. And like once a week on average, I probably have a meeting to go to in an evening. Uh, and uh, I spend sometimes I spend days on end not going anywhere. I just because it's we've got a fair amount of land, and it it during lockdown it I haven't felt cooped up. You know, like if I want to go to my allotment, spend the afternoon there, it's it, it, it's lovely. It's only a few steps away, but it feels like a different place. And, um, so so my yeah days are varied, but I'm never sure for something to do. Oh, yeah. I remember you mentioning that you have parties and barbecues and yeah yeah during lockdown we built a outdoor shelter with, out of a parachute in the corner of the play area and it, it's under some trees and you can have a fire you've got a fire pit and you can sit around and uh, so for my birthday another friend of mine we're we're both 70 and we're in a book group so we invited all the book group round and people bought food and we had a really nice evening and they were all saying how amazing it was to have this space and be able to sit outside like that um and and 
yeah, we have managed, you know, now it's in the summer, it's been easy to have shared meals outdoors actually and have barbecues and um, people, somebody cooked in the common house and we've got open to big French windows and serve the food from there and people go off and sit on tables around the site in small groups. So we, when, when it's been possible and legal, we've been able to socialise safely outside um, and we've managed to look after each other and not to have an outbreak of COVID. Um, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Possibly one or two people had it right at the beginning before there was testing, but since there was testing, we've, you know, we've done really well. Um, and I bet um, having that outdoor space during yeah, COVID, like yeah. you say, was really important. Yeah, really important. And what, what kind of things are in, important to consider, I guess, before thinking about co-housing, someone was thinking about it as an option for, for later life? I, do, I think it's it's important to know you need to be a person that likes company and like and is sociable and is community minded. Um, if you uh, and people when we when we're recruiting people who want to come and live here, it's very clear some people find it just too much and 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 they will drop out of the project. That's what we discovered. Um, but if if that's you and and you are willing to work hard, then I think. It's a really good way of um, building a home or moving in with a group, a pre-existing group, that where you know you're going to have some support throughout your life. And uh, yeah, so if you're not scared, of that I think that's my. If you're not scared of hard work and accept that it's going, to, you have to put effort in to get something out. Uh, I think it's a really valuable way of living. Always interesting, always challenging, and. Uh, always somebody there yeah really it's yeah like a really you know good place to kind of grow old and yeah yeah, yeah. definitely it, it, it's like it's a good place to, lovely wonderful place to raise children and yeah. a great place to grow old and uh, it's it really yeah uh, we talk a lot in this country don't we about how we've lost our sense of community and i, I think i think we've successfully shown that it is possible to build community and and to build um, how homes that have a low impact on the planet um, and I think it's been very satisfying for me personally you know I think all of us who live here are quite committed to that and that's what binds us together um, it's like our mission yeah it's a good a good vision for the future yeah. definitely one of the groups we have the TAF team is called the learning TAF team and that's about demonstrating and making um other helping other supporting other groups so that they can copy this um, and we do normally in when it's not locked down we have open days and it's amazing how many people want to come still after eight years we i mean we haven't been able to do it for the last year or two they've been doing them online um because they're such an interest uh, and there are groups all over the country and there are there's a national organization called co-housing uk that supports groups who want to do this um, but don't think it's a quick fix it, it, it it's a long job yeah. yeah it's it's great that there's kind of momentum building around you know yeah. sharing what you know because I'm sure a lot of people might never have heard of co-housing or no, but it's no. great that there's kind of learning and shared learning going on yeah. around that, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. definitely and and do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about co-housing um well, do, 
I would say do think about it and do look around and try and go and visit and talk to people that have done it or get look online at websites because there are some good websites and resources. And um, there are projects all over the world. Um, it's not, not it's a, it was a Scandinavian idea originally. Um, so I and I'd say um, if you're serious, yeah, if you become serious about it, make sure that you form a group of people who share a vision. People do very different kinds of co-housing projects. Some of them around farming, you know, or or they might, like we said, they might be around older adults, or they might be around a, a faith group. Um, or there's one in Chapel Town being built in Leeds that for that community, uh, that area of Leeds, it's for any, that that the aim there is to provide housing that's accessible to people who live in that area, which has got a big Afro-Caribbean population. And so it's to be a sort of integrated and in, um, community within within Chapel Town. And make sure that the people that, as you work and join, that people share the vision. I think that's really what makes the, that what makes projects succeed, finding a piece of land. Um, that's the other thing, uh, yeah. The building from the community up kind of thing, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But some, some co-housing communities are in old properties that are retrofitted. You know, it's like okay. you don't have to, you know, there's lots of different ways of doing it. And, uh, I've often thought we used to, because I, I used to dream of living like this, and I've often looked at terraces, terraces of housing and thinking, oh, if you just bought that street, that would make a lovely community. Yeah. <laughs> and some people listening will know that a areas in their town where there is a real community spirit because the, the way the streets are laid out and the way the people are in those streets there's a sense of community and then other people live in places where it's the opposite where they don't know their neighbours um, absolutely and I think Covid's really shown that importance of community yeah. you know definitely and we were able to build houses that are really modern and attractive and cheap to live in because the bills are really low um, and do it uh, under budget and at a price that's very competitive. It's, they're not expensive, our houses. Um, so it's not it's not only for the rich. But, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's great that it's got that kind of affordable, yeah. you know, accessible. That's really important, I think. Well, it is, it is to this project, but it isn't to all. There are some where... Because there's some co-housing communities because the buildings are so lovely and the people it's so attractive that the cost of the buildings has gone up as people move in and out and then it people are priced out which is very sad in my opinion um, and and we're manage, we're managing not to do that here because we have a quite a radical way of pricing and paying so uh, yeah good vision vision for the future definitely yeah. And, and sort of at this point in time when we're all worried about climate change and what the future might hold, I think it's great. To, I think Lilac's a really good model of something that gives you hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you today, um, Liz, and to find out about all the amazing things that are happening at Lilac. Um, so thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure.
Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.